big thing that may, maybe even a lot of people haven't haven't heard about yet. Um, but I think the Canadian Real Estate Association is doing a pilot project um, that is going to sort of work on changing the way that bids are submitted in in these situations where we've got multiple offers coming in on properties and I know a lot of um, you know people's bones of contention in this is this is the blind bidding process and and I think a lot of that comes along with um, misconception as to sort of what benefit they would get if this blind bidding were to go away and uh, you know, I'm definitely not afraid to speak my mind on what I think, um, you know, are the implications of getting rid of blind bidding and, and what the implications are when, um, you know, and what people can expect when they go into a, a situation where they can see everybody else's bids and um, all of a sudden you've got sort of an almost an auction style process. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, my two cents. And we talked about this over the last few years because this has been something in the air for a while. But listen, if you're a first time home buyer and you're not in the market yet and and you think that blind bidding is hurting you, uh, listen to what I say here because it's a level playing field in my opinion when there's blind when there's blind bidding in the sense that you as a first time home buyer with maybe only 5% down, you don't have deep pockets. You don't have a ton of money to spend. You've got a cap to what you can spend. You have to stay below that because you can't afford any more. And, and we have great success yeah, with our buyers. Absolutely. Because of the, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the playing field is leveled in the sense that even the investor that is interested in that property that you're bidding on has no idea what other people are bidding. So they have to do their research and figure out, okay, what's the market value on this house? How much am I willing to spend on this house? Yep. And then they have to take their shot at it just like you have yep. to take your shot at it. Yep. If we get into a situation where every bid is public and you can put your bid in and you can see it in real time and where you're ranking and how much lower you are than other people, you with your 5% down and your ambition trying to get into the market, are not going to be able to beat or match somebody with deeper an investor pockets. with deeper pockets than you that can say, I'll just wait until it slows down and then I'll just pop an extra thousand bucks on top of you right. every single time yep. until you can't afford anymore. I know. For Windsor, for Windsor, this open bidding would be, uh, I think would be an issue just because there are people coming from other cities with deeper pockets. And... The first-time homebuyer that's maxed at four is going to get beat by 401, 402 every single time yeah. because they just can't go any higher based on their approval amount. Um, with the blind bidding, homework has to be done by the agents and the buyers. And I understand there's people coming in from other cities that have no idea how the the sales numbers and they're coming in and they're not doing homework. They're just slapping down prices. Right. And you hear of these crazy prices that are going. All this means is for out-of-town buyers that aren't doing proper homework. If instead of going eighty thousand over the second person in the second placed offer, they can see, oh, I don't need to go eighty over. I'll just go five over. And if they try and beat me, I'll go five over again, and because I have all this room, it's actually just going to make it easier for them. I think. Right. Um, now, 
I think that's been our biggest issue with the blind bidding. You have people that are uneducated. They come in and they just make up a number based on their knowledge of the city that they're from, not realizing that that number is a lot higher in Windsor terms, right? I would also argue that that's not like the norm. Like, right. like it's not like that happens we on every house. Yeah. That every single time we're seeing uh, uh, some some Toronto or some out of town buyer right. come in and blow everybody out of the water by a hundred thousand right. dollars. But those are the like, stories everybody hears. Yeah, right. those are the yeah. stories that everyone hears about when they happen here and there. But you know, I would say on the majority of our listings that we see, it's not like we're we're getting yeah. blown away every time by some one offer. That's no, most of them. Most of them are actually usually very respectful. Like, there's always a range. Like we predict that it's going to come in around this range. Us as the selling agents will see, you know, majority offers come in and around that range. And there usually is that one or two that that push it because they want it for whatever reason. There's a motivation, a subjective value. Um, but on open bidding, I feel like emotions are going to come in high. Mm. People are going to be like, they're going to stop. They're going to forget. Like they're going to forget that homework even exists or what houses are worth because they're just going to say, well, if somebody's willing to pay 402, then I'm going to 403. Because I know somebody was willing to pay 402. And then somebody says, well, I'll go to 405. And it's just going to keep going and well, going and going is, and going it, and like, going and going. There used to be something that you would see in offers all the time right. called an escalation clause. Right. And it was essentially that just in the offer on in your schedule at the end of your offer, right? Your, your conditions. And it, and, it didn't ca- and it didn't catch on. Everybody shut it down. Right. Because because the issue there was one of, of, of privacy. And I don't really know how they're skirting around this, but... You know, you're not supposed to know what the other offers are legally, right? Right. Um, And and there's a range of reasons for that. I mean, to know somebody's financial position or to know what somebody's maximum value is. Because think about this. Say you're competing against somebody and you end up finding out who the agent is and and who, who their clients are. And then you find out through one of those offers, you know exactly what their max is. Hmm. What happens when you're up against them on the next offer? Right. Or the next offer after that? Like we shouldn't be knowing each other's price maximum ranges. price values and and mortgage pre-approval amounts. Well, and Windsor's things, a small right? city. Exactly. Windsor's a small city. Um, I mean, there might be some in this pilot project. There might be some like bitter one, bitter two. We don't know the name of the person, right. that kind of thing, right? And I I'm, I actually would pr- think that's probably the way that they're going to do it. But my other concern um, is I was talking to an agent, I'm not going to say who, this morning, um, and I, I haven't looked into this 100% on how this pilot project is going to be run, um, but I do believe that sellers are going to have the option to sell the way it's been or to sell under this pilot project. And I don't know which one's more in favor for the seller, and we'll see which one starts to catch on, but it's not like this is going to be on every house. This is if they elect to do this particular this particular style of bidding. And then what I heard today is whoever is the highest offer doesn't win. It's not over. So there's a bidding process, and it's it's just like an eBay where it's like click 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 click. Everybody goes up, and whoever ends up winning, there's a timeline on that, and then the real negotiation starts. So, because the highest offer on all the bids may not be what the seller is willing to take. So what happens is that moves over to the negotiating table and then the seller can still counter higher and then they can start the negotiation from there. Because the the bottom line is you can't tell, 
a, a seller wants to sell their house for. Right. You can't tell the, them, right. you know, that, that just because you have an offer on the table, you yeah. have to let this go. So there's still negotiating that's going to happen. So just because this project is allowing open bidding, whoever ends up having the highest bid still has to go to the table and negotiate it out. Um, the terms, uh, conditions, closing, deposits, right, whatever it might be. Uh, I'm interested to see how it plays out. I know... The only country that seems to have adapted this is, I believe, Australia. Um, and that's the only one um, that seems to have taken on somewhat. But and I don't what, know if and that... what I've read is that Australia and New Zealand, who I think were both doing some style of this, their mm. prices were increasing faster than they were here. I'm looking that up. Australian real estate um, growth. I mean... Again, it will just be it, it will just be adapting to a new style of doing things. I don't want people out there to think that this is some magic bullet that's gonna fix, you know, pr what's happening with prices out there. Because the the bottom line is what's really happening with prices out there is that we have way more buyers than there are houses to satisfy. And this supply issue is what's causing these prices to go up. If no matter what, no matter it's it's supply and demand 101. If you've got 10 houses and you've got 100 buyers that that are fighting for those 10 houses, they're going to continue to fight each other until the prices increase because that's the way it works. When you have an in-demand product, that the prices go higher, right? And and really nobody is controlling that. We don't we don't as realtors pick what something ultimately is going to sell for. Right. We don't pick, if you're the listing agent, no matter whether you list the house low in a seller's market to draw in more people to, to view the home, or it's a buyer's market yep. and you list high because you know that somebody's gonna come in and try to negotiate you down, it doesn't matter where you price that home usually relative to where it's actually going to sell. It may take you longer or shorter to sell, you may have a tougher time selling your house if you price it incorrectly. But ultimately, if we're doing our job properly, we're able to find out what the value of that home in a range is in that neighborhood for that style of home. And that's around where it's going to sell, right? And if the demand is high and those numbers get pushed higher and higher and higher because people are fighting for these properties, then we use that data set to determine what the value of the next house that's going to sell right in those areas are that's that's what we're doing we're not just picking numbers out of the air and deciding hey you know what go spend a million dollars on this property i only think it's worth seven hundred thousand but i would never do that mm -hmm. but i'm going to look at that neighborhood and go look i mean yes i know it's listed for 7.99 but Look, all the all the houses in this area are selling for 950, 960, 970. We have a pretty darn good idea that that's what this house is going to be worth. So that's what we base our bid on. We're not just picking a number from the sky. Right. And we're not quote overpaying by $200,000. Yeah. We know that that listing price is not the market value if we of that were, home. If we were in an old school strategy that was used 7 years ago and on, um a house 970 would have been listed around a million and left room to negotiate down. And I always say to buyers or even parents that you know are, are watching what their kids are doing in the market, 
If I had a house for you at a million and said I can get it for you for nine fifty, you'd say that's great. I fifty thousand off the off right. the asking price. But if I said I have an eight hundred thousand dollar home, and you have to go to nine fifty, they're gonna be like, what the hell are you talking about? But in the end, it's still the same house for the same price. It's just the way you're interpreting it. Yeah, well, and, yeah. it's, it, and, and it changes, it's the way it perceives. It changes with the type of market that we're in, and right. that's what people really. I don't think they grasp it because right. when you're not in the real estate industry, you don't really know the terms and right. we try to educate people on those terms. We are in a seller's market. That means there is very few homes on the market compared to the number of buyers that there are out there that want those homes. In that old school market that you just talked about, that would be a buyer's market. That right. means there's way more houses on the market. You have to leave yourself room to negotiate. Than yeah. buyers out there for those houses. So. Yeah, you, you use the opposite strategy. You price it high because you know when you have somebody that comes in that is actually interested in writing an offer, they're going to want to knock that price down. So right. you're going to you're still marketing your house to try to get the value that you right. want. The value that the market says your house right. is worth, you're just using a different strategy to get there. Yeah. Right? Um I found an article on Australia. <laughs> the ultimate reason real estate in Australia is so expensive. <laughs> Most Australians believe that homes are the ultimate rock solid investment. We've had 25 straight years of economic growth 25. here in Australia. So everybody thinks that, and there, this is on an open bidding system. So everybody thinks open bidding is going to help anything. Well, Australia just had 25 years of economic growth in real estate. Um, there's uh, the lunacy of the Aussie real estate market today um, shows housing in, is in a rocket yeah, about rocket. to explode. Um, and then, uh, there was one other note in here that I wanted to bring up. Uh, they believe the current uh, insane home prices are fully justified. Anyways, it looks like they're they're breaking records just yeah, as fast. There was something here about fifth, it's the not, last 15 months. It's not months. a fix. I want people to understand that. Like, you know, getting rid of blind bidding here. It, it, this is oh, they're up forty percent. They're this up forty percent in the last. Uh, up forty percent in the last year was in this article. So forty percent. They're up forty percent. That's no different than where we're at here. Well, it's more. Right. So, <laughs> th right. You think you think that that's some some silver bullet that's going to come tame mm -hmm. this market, but but we're not. You know, look, and and the problems are not easily addressable. That's right. the issue, and and I think that's. You know, it's the government looking for ways to sort of appease the masses and try to mm -hmm. figure out how can we, how can we get people to to calm down a little bit in this highly volatile um, scenario that we're all in now because of the pandemic and politics and all this other stuff going on. But, you know, ultimately the 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 issues that we need to address are are one of supply and one of of, mm -hmm. of development and less red tape on developments and more densification. And, you know, maybe that means that more we're going to see more condos in cities, even like Windsor, not just in places Town like homes. the GTA, townhomes, um, you know, dense li denser yeah, living, yeah, like we're denser living, living up, right? Yeah. Like building we a, got a, a lot of jobs to nine in story, um, you know, condo building where, yes, maybe you're only getting 600 yeah. or 700 square feet for, you know, what you used to be able to buy a nice detached home for. But guess what? That's the reality of living in these cities especially in southern Ontario where mm -hmm. it's a desirable place to live there's going to constantly be immigration coming in here there's constantly going to be growth and people want to live in these areas which is going to continue to push that demand 
And if that demand is high and the supply isn't meeting that demand, it doesn't matter what you do with the bidding. It doesn't matter what you do with the small policies and the small things that are changing. What matters is we need to keep up with that, that supply in different ways to, to satisfy that. And you know what? This isn't a new issue. Like I've talked to clients. I talked to um, some older clients of mine that sold their house with me a couple months ago. And they told me their story of what it was like for them to get into the real estate market. This was 30 some years ago. And they moved into a mobile home. Mm-hmm. There, you know, even back then, you know, in the in the seventies and eighties, for them to get into the housing market, they didn't have their eyes set on the beautiful, you know, three plus one bedroom, three bathroom brick ranch in a beautiful neighborhood right off the bat because that was unattainable. Mm-hmm. They said, how are we going to get ourselves into this market? What are our options available to us now? Can we get into a small condo? Can we get into a mobile home in one of these land lease parks? Can I buy a home with a friend? Can I you know, buy a home with a sibling? Will my parents help me? All these things, they're not new. But they're, I think they're more important than ever now because we have to be creative mm-hmm. how we get into the market. But the most important thing is get into the market.